You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Thank you once again for the opportunity to share fellowship. Thank you for your light. For the entrance of your word brings light. Thank you for illumination. Thank you for revelation knowledge. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. As we behold ourselves in you. Even as you behold us in yourself. Let there be edification. There shall be no contradictions. No errors. The word of God shall be divided precisely and accurately in the knowledge of you, Jesus. Thank you that you are exalted in this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, all about miracles five. All about miracles five. I want you to really pay close attention because there's, there's something I really, really want you to learn or catch. And so you must be very, very alert. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came, spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The word disciple, there is the word matutu. The word teaching or training is the word didache. So definitely Jesus was looking that we would disciple and we would only disciple by teaching and training. So you can never be a disciple without being taught and trained. If it becomes a bother to you to be trained or to be taught, you can't be a disciple. All of you with your various skills of endeavor, you were taught and trained. And that's why you do what you do skillfully, the way you did it. You went through a bit of a pain. Your teacher sometimes will rebuke you. Your teacher would, I mean, sometimes try to spank you. you. You understand what I mean? Yes. And for those of you who are also now, you have the skill now, you are teaching people, you are training people. And you are doing the same to them, true or false. Yes. Sometimes it's like a bother. But then when they grow and they understand the skill and they are practicing the skill, they thank you. True or false. Okay, so it's exactly what we go through when we come to church. You come to church to be discipled. And to become a disciple, you are like an apprentice who is being taught and trained. One cannot go without the other. Many of you are hearing me, but it's not all of you that are being trained. Because all of you are being taught, but some of you have decided not to be trained. You don't participate in the activity of the information you are given. You can only be trained when you participate in the activity of the information you are being given. Until you participate, you can't be an agent 
of that information you are given. Does it make sense? All right. So training is key. And it is the disciple that decides. I want to be trained. A good disciple then must develop an attitude of a child. Because training involves activities and following strict instructions. True or false? Yes. So, for anybody who has been trained, you were engaged in a set of activities and you followed strict what? Instructions. You followed strict instructions. You know, I watched this movie. That was a long, is it a kick something something? What? That one you know. So, it's, it's, not, it's not that, 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 that movie. It's not kickboxing. But this one, this young man was going to learn karate, you know. And then his master asked him to go and wash the car. And the boy was angry, you know, very, very angry. That, ah, what has karate got to do with washing cars? I came to learn karate, not to wash cars. You know, so for some weeks... He was washing the car. And whilst he was washing the car, then the master would come and say, look at your feast. Do it this way. So not knowing, the hardening of his feast comes by washing the car. Do you get it now? So how he's holding the duster and he's cleaning hard. He is hardening his feast. But he thought that the master was just using him. Because he didn't have the understanding the master has. So until you become a child, you can't be a good disciple. You must have the attitude of a child. Listen, when you come to church and you, in your mind you are the master, you can't learn anything. And many people come to church with that attitude. With that attitude. When Peter said in first 2.2, as, a new, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He was not referring to little children. He was using that figuratively to represent an attitude that a believer must what? Have. But when you become a believer, you need to have the attitude of a child. You know Jesus said? Let these little children what? He said, until you are like a child, you cannot enter what? The kingdom. <laughs> so you see, you must have that attitude of a child. It's just like, a, I mean, our natural skill. When you go to be trained and you act like you are the boss, you will leave the place not learning anything. You will go to the training, but the training will not go through you. There are most of us who go to school, but the school doesn't go through us. So we went through the school, but it didn't go through us. In other words, you went through the process, but the process didn't go through you. When you read Psalm 8-2, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. That is the training you are going through. It was prophesied long ago that people are going to come into the kingdom who are from very far. But then they would understand the word. They would have revelation. And people that are not considered as anything, and they act like they are children, they would have so much revelation to silence the enemy. It's an attitude of a child. So you must be childlike. Mary called the child in her womb as her God. 
Can you believe that? When the angel came and she was talking, she spoke. The God of my salvation. Meanwhile, she was the one carrying the child. How did she behave? She behaved like what? A child. A child. Elizabeth did the same. Elizabeth, who was older than Mary, said, the mother of my Lord. The mother of my Lord. They were thinking spiritually like children in the physical. Even God became a child. In Luke 2, he was sitting down to be taught. He said he was listening and asking questions. Yeah, I was listening to a Jew today. And he said categorically, he said Jesus grew up with, he was trained by some of the best rabbis. He said it. He said that when we believe. What we don't believe is that you have elevated him and given him the state of sisters of a Messiah. And not just that, that he is divine, that he is God who became man. And for us, the Torah is eternal. It does not change. And that's exactly what they don't understand, that the Torah has not changed. And that's why I keep going back to the Old Testament to make you know that the truth of the Old Testament, Testament has not changed. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. So it was carrying the same message, but they didn't understand the message. Are you getting the point? That's why I keep going back to establish the fact that even Apostle Paul never knew. Listen very carefully. When Apostle Paul was writing the epistles, he never knew that his epistles will become the word. Because as a Jew, he knows that the Torah will not what? Change. But then he understood the message of the Torah. That's why you can't preach the Bible without making reference, studying the Old Testament. Then you say that God actually, listen very carefully, changed within a dispensation. So some of the things I teach you, until you become a child, because you don't understand it, you think that, oh, it's a waste of time. Why is it going around? Why is it? Because if you don't, I don't set all of these things in place, somebody can sit you down and confuse you. We found people like Joseph of Arimathea in church. And I was telling the leaders yesterday, as I was talking to them, I was telling them, like, listen, such a man, he was a man of, but he was not part. He was a disciple, but he was not part of the core. Why? Because he can be seen as an example of what disciples should set. So he was helping though, but he was helping from afar, although he was rich and influential. He was not made a leader. And he understood, and he was doing what he was doing like a child. He was the one that gave Jesus the tomb. But he didn't require a leadership position. Are you hearing me? He was the one that gave connection for him to be released. But he never required. He was there doing what he was supposed to do and learning from Jesus. All right, but when people don't have understanding, when they have money, they have influence, they think that they must be given a position before they will do something. Why? Because they have not been trained, and they because they have not been trained, and they can't develop the childlike attitude. One of these days, I'll speak on the message: the error of Haman. When you come into church, you come into Christ, and you come with the attitude of "I deserve." then you were not born by grace. You were not. You were not. So towards God's word, don't act your secular status or influence. 
act like a child. Before God, all of us are children. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Praise God. So if you are here and you don't go for evangelism, you are an irresponsible believer. You are not growing. You can't love God more than you love sinners to come to Christ. Did you hear what I just said? You can't say you love God more than you love sinners to come to Christ because God came down because of that. Did you understand what I just said? Did you understand it? I should repeat it again. You can't love God more than you love sinners to come to Christ because the essence of his coming is because of sinners. So if you say you love God, you will go and get sinners saved because that is his heartbeat. All right? And the church is looking on as we pamper believers. Yes, we pamper them. So far as they will bring money, we are fine. I was, I was being told somebody about a, a believer yesterday, he's backslided. Nobody will tell him you are backslided. You're backslided. He says, as for me, these days I don't even go to church. All I do is to sponsor missions. I said, you are backslided. You are backslided. You are acting like you are rather the matured one. You are not. Who is an apprentice and sits at home and gives donation to the company? Who, who does that? If you are not receiving and practicing this training, you are disobedient. You are proud. You are arrogant and irresponsible. This is your mandate. It's an instruction. Go. And you do what? You go. You said you love. If you love him, go. That's the essence. Luke 24, 25 to 27. 44 to 45, you know exactly what is there. On the road to a mess. He had to synchronize their thoughts. To bring them to speed. To understand. And for 40 days, he was teaching them. And training them so that we will not be in error. Somebody had to be trained for us not to be in error. It means if you are not trained, you will cause others to be in error. It is the reason why the church is the way it is now. So when you are complaining about the church these days, as of Bay, say, and you are saying all of those things, consider you. Are you availing yourself for training? Because what it means is that you are a time bomb ticking. You'll be the next person to be leading people into error. Jesus didn't do punchline expressions. Yes, rhyming. Your life is ticking because you are tingling. And then it's a deep, deep, deep. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't need to do that. We are too wise in our own eyes. So if we do that, that's how they would understand. If you have not been able to expound scripture and you do point lines, you are a disorderly person. It is called azan. You are throwing dust into the eyes of the people. It's fake. Jesus never quoted scripture without explaining them. He explained them. When they asked him, he didn't say yes. No. No. He would go from the beginning. Go into the detail. If the people are people who don't have understanding, he will use parables. Because he was trained. Say he was trained. If Jesus availed himself to be trained, who are you? Now when people hear the word sometimes two, three, three months, they think they know everything. And they think they know everything. Hey. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. 
But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. Yeah. They shall heap to themselves teachers. So they will not accept truth. They will find a way to find teachers. I mean, today I saw something else as I look at this. Look at cheap. It's so cheap. Eh? Somebody just, I mean, when I, I see these things, standing in the church, I say, hey, go, do this. And then the person started climbing uh, some st- they are stick, climbing it, climbing it, climbing again, going down, climbing it, do it three times, do it three times, and then does it three times. He said, go outside. There's a dog there waiting for you. Uh, uh, he speak to the dog. He said, look at this foolishness. Look at this foolishness. Tamed dog, released. The dog even can't fly. He said, an angel is coming. Go and talk to him. It's an angel. An angel turned dog. Talk to look, at, look at this. Because, yes, because all of the people sitting there, they don't know Jack. They don't even know John 3.16. The other day, somebody was telling us, during the sharing, somebody came to their, uh, yeah, it was Mabel, somebody came to their saloon or something, right? And then the person was saying that, um, and she, uh, she was trying to, I mean, preach to the person, the gospel. They said, oh, me, why I go to church? It's powerful. What do they do? You will go. And then they will give you something, like a bottle. So everybody there is carrying a bottle. So you come with your bottle. And then... You say your request and then put it into the bottle and then shut it. And then after you have prayed and prayed, the prayer is that you have to charm a man or if it's a woman, charm a woman, whatever you need, say it on it. When you go, no, the person will start doing it for you. And then when you finish, you go and hit the bottle to a rock. Pash. You finish with him. You are sitting here. They just crack your bottle. <laughs> I mean, you just can't understand. This is pure idolatry. Pure idolatry. Listen to me very carefully. Listen, my, um, uh, listen, my brothers and sisters. Listen very carefully. Listen. Whether you like the truth or not, you will face the consequences of a lie. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. Whether you like the truth or not, you will face the consequences of what? So the best thing for you to do is that you be acquainted with the truth. You study the truth because you will see the lie. But you can only avoid the lie when you know the truth. True or false? The word itching is the word netto, to scratch, to tickle. To cause <laughs> titillation. Yes. Titillation. 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 To procure pleasurable excitement for. So most of you, you come. You, you, so, so that's why some, some had to leave. Because for them, church is no more exciting. I was very sad for them. But at the same time, I love the experience. I love the experience. I love the experience. It's a joy. Hebrews 12, 5. And have ye forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you? As unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Hello? Are you here with me? Yes. So, sometimes the word will rebuke you. Sometimes I will rebuke you. It's for your good. Say, it's for my good. Say it like you mean it. It's for your good. 
You know, your dad rebuked you and he saved you from a lot of things. True or false? Kiki, is it true? The Old Testament are for our learning. It is the curriculum of the church. It is the curriculum of what? The church. So you see in Acts 13, 13 to 19, 42 to 43, you see that when Paul was preaching, he was not preaching his <laughs> epistle because his epistle had not been written. He was preaching from the Old Testament. If you read from the, uh, the, the, the is it the 15, he said, and after reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exhorted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now, for a time, for about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews, devout proselytes, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persecuted them to continue, persuaded them sorry, to continue in the grace of God. So they were explaining the Old Testament. Praise God. They were explaining the Old Testament. All right. They were explaining the Old Testament. Look at the 42. So when the Jews went out to the synagogue of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged this. Oh, I've read it already. Okay. Look at 1 Corinthians 9.9. 9. Everybody read it. Go. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not what? Muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Look at what he's quoting. Deuteronomy 5.4. Let's all read it. Go. Thou shalt not what? muzzle the ox when he treaded out what? The corn. So you see, he was preaching from what? The Old Testament. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.13. For if we are beside ourselves, mad as some say, it is for God and concerns him. If we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. Hey, did you hear that one? Oh, did you hear that one? Okay. Where is he quoting from? Look at Deuteronomy 13.5. Look at, look at it. Go. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God has commanded you to walk so you shall put away that evil from, from your midst. So when you see me mad, it's because somebody is enticing you away. Are you getting the point? Yes. It is for your benefit. <laughs> First Corinthians 6, 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels. How much more things that pertain to this life. The word angel there is the word angelus. It means gods or sons of gods. Most of you when you see this, you talk about, you think it's angels. No, no, no. He's not talking about angels as in angels of light. He's talking about demons. Psalm 8, 2. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. Psalm 82, verse 6. 
I have said ye are gods, and all of you are children of the most high. Are you getting the point? So he's saying that God has made us to be judges. Are you getting the point? Of all things that he has what? Created. Is that very clear? Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6. What is man that thou art mindful of him, the son of man, that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. So the duty of judgment of all creation is delegated to who? To man. Is that very clear? Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 5 to 6. Still, I say to this, I say this to move you to shame. Can it be that there really is not one man among you who in action is governed by piety and integrity and is wise and competent enough to decide their private grievances, disputes and quarrels between members of the brotherhood, but brother goes to law against brother. And that before Gentile judges who are unbelievers, without faith or trust in the gospel of Christ. So the ones that God have made judges, now we have yielded ourselves to unbelieving judges to judge us. He was quoting from the old word, Testament. Is that very clear? Oh, are we all clear? You're sure? Yeah. So whatever you see Paul say, he's not saying by whims and what? Caprices. <laughs> no. He is saying it because it has already been what? Written. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. Isaiah 28, 11, Verse 12. In the law, it is written with men of other tongues and other lips. I will speak unto these people. And yet for all that will, all that will, they not hear me, saith the Lord. Yet, yet for all that, yet for all that will they will they not hear me okay yet for all that will they not hear me saith the lord okay so look at isaiah when you are reading kjv isaiah 28:11 to 12 for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his to these people so you see he's quoting isaiah so you see tongue speaking eh was in Isaiah. Are you hearing it? Yeah. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they will not hear. Speaking in tongues refreshes you. So when you speak in tongues, he said, I become light. So there was nothing that they said that they did not quote from the Old Testament to explain. Even 1 Peter 3, 5. Peter uses Sarah, for after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their husbands. So when you see him saying in first, um, Ephesians chapter 5, women submit unto your husbands, it's from the Old Testament. Did Paul intend that his letters should be replaced with the Old Testament? No. Never. John 20, 21 to 23. And Jesus said to them again, Peace unto you. Just as the Father has sent me forth, so am I sending you. And having this, 
Having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Say, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, now having received the Holy Spirit and being, watch, and being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiving. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. So you see that the moment he told them, receive ye the Holy Spirit, they receive the Holy Ghost. So what you saw in Acts chapter 2 is only the manifestation and the expression of what they received. So the word that is used there, receive is the word lambano, to lay hold on. So they waited for 40 days so that what has already been given them, they will lay hold on it. Is that very clear? So when Acts said the Holy Ghost fell, Luke is just describing what he thought he saw. <laughs> Falling. No, it didn't fall from heaven. It was already in them. They received the Holy Ghost. Are you getting the point? Yes. When you receive the Holy Ghost, when you receive Christ right now, do you speak in tongues? Good. We lay hands on you and then you do what? You speak. So the process didn't change. So it's not like as for them, they were born again. No, then they started speaking in tongues. And then, no, that's not it. Are you getting the point? Yeah. Is that very clear? All right. So he says that, the moment you receive Christ, you become an agency of his forgiveness. Okay, you see, so one of the things, just, just chip this in. So watch, watch this. You can never be a believer and walk in unforgiveness. Let me open your eyes. You don't understand it. By this scripture, now you are the one who is going to tell people they are forgiven. How can you walk in unforgiveness? How can the, an agency of forgiveness live in unforgiveness? Anita, do you understand it? Are you sure? Yeah, but it's difficult. It's not. Lord, do you understand it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, can you see why we go and always we are condemning people? Because most of us, you have either not even forgiven your own self. To even accept that truly you have been forgiven and forgiven. And then also you have not forgiven people. So when we say go and forgive, go and tell people they are forgiven, you rather want to beat them with their sin. But Jesus said, the one who knows they are forgiving much will forgive, will love more and forgive more. You understand it? Is that true? Yeah. So we are vessels of his forgiveness. Say it. Okay, we studied about Exodus and we studied it as a motif, true or false. All right, sometimes individuals are also used in a motif way. Okay, for example, David in the Old Testament is a representative or a personality of a pastor, including people like Moses. Yes. Okay, so you see, every time what I'm trying to do is I bring you from the Old Testament into the New. So you understand that the pattern began right from the beginning. So when you say the New Covenant, the New Covenant actually is embedded in the Old. Because Jesus was prophesied from the old. Are you getting the point? And revealed in the new. Is that very clear? Yes. Okay. So it's a journey. Say it's a journey. All right. So look at Ezekiel chapter 34, 11 and 23. For thus the Lord God, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I, both search my sheep and seek them out. Clear? 
So who is a sheep? Eh? God's people, yes, are called what? Sheep. So it's not Tome. Is that very clear? Okay, no. 23. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. So you see, he's talking about pastors here, but he used David as the man. To represent what? Pastors. Is that very clear? If you go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, I will give you pastors, shepherds, who will feed you. Are you getting it? Mabel, you are wondering. Do you understand it? Okay. So David is used here not as a person of David, but rather as a motif, a personification of a shepherd. Is that very clear? Psalm 78, 70 to 72. He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the elves, great with the young. He brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. And guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. So you can see the reference is David the pastor. Alright. And I've taught you that David never considered himself as a king. He considered himself as God's servant. As a prophet. Psalm 80 verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. That thou dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. All right? So in Israel, the duty of a king is the same duty as a pastor today. Is that very clear? The duty of a king is the same duty as a pastor what? Today. So the role of a shepherd is to feed and care for the flock. So is the king and the pastor. Is that very clear? Oh, is that very clear? Do you understand it? Do we all understand it? Isaiah 51, 9 to 10. Egypt is also used as a motif for bondage, worldliness, idol worship, etc. Isaiah 51, 9 to 10. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the ancient days, in the generations of old. Are thou not it that have cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Are thou not it? which has dried the sea of uh, uh, the waters of the great deep that has made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over. Is that very clear? So Egypt is a motif of what? Of bondage. Is that very clear? Okay. Look at Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 16. When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God given thee and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. We'll talk about this later. Thou shalt in any wise set a king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren. Shalt thou set king over thee? Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother, but he shall not <laughs> multiply 
he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he shall multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. So returning to Egypt, you understand? What is the meaning? Returning to the world. Returning to the world. Returning again into the bondage of the enemy. Is that very clear? Oh, is that very clear? Okay. Returning to worldliness. You shall not. <laughs> so now he's talking about practice. Is that very clear? Oh, is that very clear? Yes. Our practice should not be of the world. What he's telling his people. So when you hear Paul saying, some of these sins should not be heard among you. You understand what he's trying to say? It's quoting from the Old Testament. Is that very clear? Okay, good. Isaiah 31 verse 1. Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help. Is he talking about the nation Egypt? Good. And stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. So here, Egypt is referred to as a system. And they should not lean on the system of what? Egypt. The system of the world. Is that very clear? Solo, do you understand it? Okay, look at Isaiah 30, verse 2. That, that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. May you not be that one. Amen. All right? So he's talking about things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of what? God. So there are things in our minds, systems in our minds, cultures in our minds, customs in our minds, traditions and norms in our minds. They are strongholds. 1 Samuel 8, 5 to 7. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. You see? You see the problem? But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hacking unto the voice of the people, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So you see, when we are trying to be like the world in our thinking and philosophy, we have returned to Egypt. Are you here with me? Hey, are you here? Oshavu, are you here? Did you hear that one? Good. That's why a pastor cannot be a CEO. A church cannot be a business. A believer must know the dichotomy between what is ministry and what is secular job. Are you getting the point? Yes. They must not put the two words together. So we must follow that motive. We must what? You see, when you understand the patterns, then you can walk in line. When you are going to run as an athlete and you are giving track, then you know your lane. Oh, is that right? You know that you can't be in this world lane. So your lane is very clear. That's how like motives work. So from old, you know that this is the 
So if you look at Solomon, he became a victim. First Kings chapter 8. We're not going to read it. You know how Solomon built a temple for the Lord. You know that? Very magnificent temple. Hmm? Yes. Powerful temple. But what happened? He became busy. He became the CEO of the world. Yes. The world was coming to him for consultancy. And he started doing serious business. So much so that the temple that he built, we never heard him going to the temple. And this is what I keep warning us about. That you get a job that now does not allow you to come to church and you think it's a breakthrough. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. You just open the air to yourself to swallow you. It's a trap. Big one. Say, oh, Charlie, breakthrough, breakthrough. Then the whole church is jumping and shouting because he has swallowed all of them there. Yeah. So all the people from the world came all over the world to see Pastor Solomon. So it's just like a pastor starting a church, built powerful auditorium. And then people will come and come and look at the auditorium he has built. And they will ask him, how did you do it? And that is what occupies him. And they will pay a fee. And then everyone will say, wow, Solomon is the most powerful. They don't know that he is backsliding. So now, you fix your client's appointment during church meeting. Yeah. Then you talk to your pastor. Pastor, how do I manage my time? How do I manage my time? You think time is the problem? How do I manage my appetite? <laughs> the problem is your appetite, money. So rather than asking me, how do I manage my time? Ask yourself, how do I manage my appetite for money? Or for fame? Or for popularity. That is what you need to manage. When you manage that, you manage your time. Because you just choked yourself. So for all the kings of the earth who come and see him. And then very soon, he had wives and was building temples for their gods. Satan always plays the long game. <laughs> he plays the long game. His values have what? Changed. First King 10, 1 to 2. And when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels and bare spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him for all that was in her heart. People will hail you. Oh, Solomon is interdenominational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard somebody say it. Very big man of God. All of a sudden, he said, what God put in his heart when he started ministry was that the whole world, all the religions will come together and they will bring peace to the nations. I was shocked. I said, hey, hey, hey. There will always be pattern. Light. Darkness. You think peace will come to this earth for the way? Forget it, though. Don't try to work the Egyptian system. Praise God. Don't follow the sign. Follow the message. Don't let the sign lead you. Let the message lead you. Are you hearing me? You understand it? Are you following it? Don't let the sign lead you. And that is how we easily go astray because now we become overwhelmed with what? The sign. And lose focus on the message. We get overwhelmed with the messenger. 
We get overwhelmed with the signpost. Are you getting the point? Are you following what I'm saying now? <laughs> the intelligence of the world into scripture. In other words, we say scripture being made flesh is deceptive. It's not maturity, brothers and sisters. You have backslidden like Solomon. You have become worldly, human philosophies, traditions of men. You say, oh, as for you, Charlie, you speak wisdom. Wisdom of men. And they are praising you. First Kings 11, 4, 8, 4 to 8. For it was so, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned his heart after, their, after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Anybody that tries, you know that Solomon never went for war. As a matter of fact, his name is synonymous to peace. Anybody that tries that you are going to bring peace to this earth, you will go away from the gospel. It doesn't work. What it means, you have to become a man pleaser. Do you understand it? If the motive is there, Abel was killed. True or false? Oh, true or false? Do you know that most of the prophets, they were killed? Do you know that? Of the Old Testament, do you know that? The disciples, the apostles who became apostles, they were killed, true or false? So when you become the beloved of everybody and popular, because you are speaking every religion's language and you think that's maturity, you're a joke. You have become a tool for the enemy. Are you here with me? And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So when you get into the New Testament and it mentions Ion or Cosmos, they are referring to Egypt, Pharaoh, Babylon, Babel, from the word confusion. So although you can see peace and you think it's peaceful, it's confusion. In the same way, when you see many lives of believers who are rich but are not spiritual, we think that they have peace. And we even want to be like them. They don't preach the offense of the gospel. When you are praying, you are praying too much. You don't pray like that. Praying too much. Pray too much. Don't pray. Because they are following the signs. They are not following the message. You understand? Don't worry. There's one sin that is very special. Pride. A sense of entitlement. Supremacy over others. It's the reason why we get angry easily. It's pride. It's of the world. Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of the law and these statutes. That his heart may not be lifted above his brethren that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom. 
he and his children in the midst of Israel. Hello. Did you see pride there? Not to lift himself above his word. His brethren. His brethren. When you follow the signs, it leads you to pride. When you follow the message, it leads you to humility. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Follow the message. All right. So we see clearly that every time we read redeem, we have exodus. Do we? Oh, do we? Yes. So it's either Egypt, Pharaoh being dealt with. Are you getting the point? Or Babylon. Are you getting the point? So there's an, a kind of a redemption from or deliverance by God. Is that very clear? Okay. Let's look at the Greek words for redeem. And we'll finish this today. The first is lutro. It's a verb. Titus 2, 14 to 15. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Oh, I'm reading it over again. I did a 14 twice. And is there twice? Is here too twice? Okay. So, who gave himself for us? Read from the second 14. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak, these things speak, and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man what? Despise you. So, Paul was talking to his prodigy, Titus. Is that very clear? Okay, the word iniquity there is the word anomias. Lawlessness. Lawlessness. So one of the things you see in Egypt is that there's no restraint. We are redeemed from lack of control. Is that very clear? Is that very clear? So Lutro, our redemption makes us know that we have been what? We have been what? From what? Lawlessness. Is that very clear? Okay, good. Say, I am under control. Say it like you mean it. Say, I am under control. So what are they referring to? Exodus 19, 5 to 6 and Deuteronomy 7, 7. Now therefore, if you'll obey my voice indeed, keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Do you get it? Deuteronomy 7, 7, the Lord, not, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were f- the fewest of all people. Is that very clear? 1 Peter 1, 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. So we are free from material things. We have control over material things. Say amen. Okay. Did you realize that when Israel left Egypt, it didn't necessarily mean that Egypt left them. So Lutro tells us what has been done. It doesn't mean that it was done in the person. 
the person allowed themselves, yielded themselves for Egypt to go out. Are you getting the point? Okay, good. Look at Lutron, the cost, the price. It's the same word redeem, but it actually speaks to the cost, the price. Matthew 20, 28. Even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The word ransom normally is used wrongly. Use the cost or the price. Is that very clear? Mark 10, 45. For even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for what? Many. Right? A price. So he paid the price. He paid what? Okay, the next word is lutrosis. So you have lutro, lutron, lutrosis. Majorly used in Leviticus 25. You notice that this, that Israel were not slaves. They were just making bricks. They were not just slaves. They were making bricks. So they were slaves to Egyptian ideologies. Is that very clear? So they were not just people who were working and working and working and working. Did you say that when they, when they moved, they said, we have missed the garlic and the food we used to eat. We want to go back. We don't like this manna. So the culture of Egypt had eaten them. Is that very clear? Okay, good. So lutrosis actually speaks to positional redemption. We are free in our spirit, yet bound in our minds. It's the same word used in Luke 1, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he had visited and redeemed his people. Luke 2.38. As she coming into that instant. Give thanks likewise unto the Lord. And speak of him to all of them. That's looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Hebrews 9.12 also speaks to the same. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. But by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise God. The last word we're going to talk about. No, the, the last but not the, the, the least. I'll finish right now. Aphesis. Say aphesis. It means deliverance and forgiveness. It's another Greek word used for redemption. That is used in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. So the word deliverance there is aphasis. It actually also means forgiveness. So God does not just deliver you. When he delivers you, he also forgives you. Is that very clear? Yes. In his deliverance is also his word. Forgiveness. Praise God. Alright. The last is apolutrosis. Apolutrosis. It is the word that caps it all. That describes the actual release. God giving himself for, for our redemption. So he gave himself our redemption. But for most of them, Egypt never came out of them. It describes those who have been released positionally and progressively as well. They show evidence of their redemption. In both nature, composition, and character. So it is the combination of all the Greek words we have been using. Lutro, lutron, lutrosis, aphesis, and apolutrosis. Is that very clear? 
You also see Luke 21, 28. Write it down. Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So in this is our justification. Free forever. Praise God. Yeah. I will continue next week. All right. Have you learned something to do? Glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.